Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. And beside me is... Courtney Stallings. <laughs> so, yeah, Courtney Stallings. We have uh, Laura's Ghost is coming out this week, and you can get it at um, bluerosemag.com. And is it... What's the Fayette Press? Mafia? Fayetteville, Fayette Ma- Fayetteville Mafia Press. Right. Um, and... You did a wonderful podcast on the Red Room podcast, um, the Red Room podcast with Scott Ryan and Cheryl Lee. I highly recommend everyone check that out. The link will be in the show notes for that because it's just an amazing. I mean, Cheryl Lee's on there, and Scott Ryan is like on Cloud Nine. You are on Cloud Nine. It is just an amazing show. But Courtney, tell us a little bit about your book. Sure. So the idea of the book came about in 2016. You know, Twin Peaks was coming back. Season three was announced. Um, I had just gotten back from the Twin Peaks Festival in the U.S. And um, I I was looking around and I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of women who have a lot to say uh, about Twin Peaks and about Laura Palmer. And um, I wanted to, to figure out a way to showcase that and to bundle it all together, you know, bring all these women together. And, and, um, and, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of women in the community, but they don't always have a, a platform um, to talk about Twin Peaks or their own platform to talk about Twin, Twin Peaks. So, so that's where the idea of Laura's ghost came about was I knew I wanted to explore the character of Laura Palmer and, uh, and Twin Peaks. And I kept thinking about, you know, Jennifer Lynch, when she um, was approached by David Lynch to write the secret diary of Laura Palmer, um, when she was younger, when she was a child, she she said she wanted to find a diary to see if, um, you know, another little girl felt the same way that she did. And so this was kind of me doing the same thing, but as an adult, I wanted to know what, if other women felt the same way I do um, or felt differently. And I wanted to have a book for that. So that's how Laura's Ghost came about. And so I started working on it a little bit here and there, but really it was the past year that it really came together. Um, but I did start interviewing a few people in 2016 here and there and wasn't sure if the book was ever going to come to fruition, but I'm so glad it did. I'm so glad it's finally out. Yeah, it's an amazing book. I highly recommend everyone get it today. Pause the podcast, go buy the book, and then come back. Um, it's very powerful. I was moved by it. Two stories really moved me. Um, so, I mean, just five stars, ten stars, you know, just um, – who do we have on today's show? Sure. So we have three women that I interviewed for the book who are important um, women in the Twin Peaks community. And um, the first one is Mary Hutter. And uh, Mary is an editor and a filmmaker. Um, but she's been part of the, the Twin Peaks and David Lynch community a long time. Um, she's, you know, as part of davidlynch.com. She's also, um, you know, avidly attended the, the U.S. Twin Peaks Fest several times, um, won the trivia contest, which is really, really difficult to do. Um, I first saw Mary on the Gold Box DVD set. Um, so she's, she's a celebrity to me. You know, I saw her before I, I met her in person years later when I attended the fest. Um, so she's the first person that we have. And, uh, and we also have Maya McBriar. And Maya I've known for several years. I met her at the U.S. Fest. And uh, Amaya created her own platform, um, the Twin Peaks Fanatic 
uh, blog. And so she's been blogging since 2014 about Twin Peaks and David Lynch and Laura Palmer. And uh, she's a fantastic person with a, a large voice in the community. And then the third person we have on the show is Jill Watson. And, uh, and Jill Watson, kind of like Mary too, Mary and Jill both live in Washington. Um, Mary lives in Snoqualmie and Jill Watson um, lives nearby and, uh, and, and often goes to the falls. You'll see Jill on social media um, at the bottom of the Snoqualmie Falls, taking photos with her dogs and friends. And so she's been a real ambassador in the community. She's also been creating art for Twin Peaks. She created the art for the that cover of my book too, this incredible image of, of Laura Palmer. And so, um, so Jill has just been a, a really vibrant voice and artist in the community. Man, so what are we going to be talking about? So I, I really want to, um, you know, talk to the women about how they came to Twin Peaks, because that was what was interesting me, to me, you know, when I was interviewing women is, how did you come to the show? Did you watch it when it originally aired? Did you watch it later? And what, what originally struck you about the show? So, so I'll put that out to the three of you. Um, I'll start. I'll start with Mary. Um, Mary, how did you how did you come to Twin Peaks, and what struck you about the show? I came to Twin Peaks because I was a fan of soap operas when I was a child, and um, in fact, I was like burying myself in soap operas at the time that Twin Peaks premiered. My father died the year before. Actually, on the day Laura Palmer died, on uh, February 23rd, uh, 1989. And so I was doing every, I was 13 um, when he died, and I was doing everything I could to just like get invested in all these other worlds. So I was, I'd been a fan of the TV show Dallas since I was seven years old, which is inappropriately young to watch that, I realize as an adult. <laughs> um, I was into daytime soap operas. Days of Our Lives, Santa Barbara, all that stuff. Anyway, so I heard a new nighttime soap opera was starting and I was all about it. Like, I'm going to watch the show from the first episode because back in those days, you couldn't watch reruns. You couldn't watch old episodes of those shows. So I was so excited. And so I ended up watching it the night it premiered in my living room. My mother, uh, no one was, would watch it with me. So I was just by myself in this big living room watching in front of my old like console TV and I loved it. And I, I probably couldn't have told you why I loved it. I just fell into this world. And there was something just hypnotic about it, I think. Just the only thing I can do is explain, like, the fog and the trees and the, this town. It just drew me in. And I've never left. I love it. Maya, what about you? How did you come to Twin Peaks? I remember reading about it in the TV guide because that was kind of how I watched TV. My mom always had a subscription and I had this little 13 inch box of a TV in my room. And I remember watching the pilot and being very, very moved by it, struck by it. I was young. I don't think I completely understood it, but I loved it. And I think Right away, the atmosphere of Twin Peaks reminded me so much of my home where I grew up. I just felt like it was so familiar to me. So I remember watching probably through the episode where Maddie got killed and then somehow fell off. I think it was because of the way they were switching the time slot around and everything. So the next thing I saw was the movie and... Um, 
I don't, I don't know how we got into that movie, but I remember going with my friend Jen. We were not even in high school yet. We got in and Firewalk with me had such an impact on me <clears throat> from that moment on. I, it was my first Lynch film. And from that time, I, I could never watch the rest of the series, but I could go to the video store and watch the movie, which I did many, many, many times. Um, and it just became like an obsession. And I think eventually I acquired the whole VHS set with the pilot and then the movie set. I was all separate. I had to get all these different things. But once I had the total set, then I, would, I started binge watching it. From that point on, it was just part of my vernacular. But Laura Palmer was the story, I think, that touched me the most and that I was the most intrigued with always, probably because of Firewalk With Me. Jill, how about you? How did you come to Twin Peaks? Well, Twin Peaks kind of came to me. My stepdad was executive secretary of Puget Power, which is now Puget Sound Energy. And they are the company who runs the power plant at Snoqualmie Falls. And until, I think it was 1988, um, the Snoqualmie Falls Lodge sat atop the falls. And um, my stepdad was instrumental in uh, converting that lodge into what's now the Salish, which is used as the exterior of the Great Northern and Twin Peaks. So we were up there all the time. We were up there in the park. Well, I was in the park while he was doing work and having meetings and whatever. And um, so, you know, growing up right down the street from the falls, that's, that's home. And uh, he came home one day with CD, well, back in time a little bit. I, I remember I was up there for some of the filming of the pilot. I wasn't interested at all. Um, I was, I think, 12, 13 at the time. So I was climbing trees, like I still do. And um, I just vaguely remember a big hoopla about saddle shoes, and that's about it. Um, so, yeah, as I got older, um, I, I got really into it, really, really into it. I was the only one at my house who knew how to operate the VCR. And even though I wasn't allowed to watch Twin Peaks, I would record it and watch it later and then, you know, reenact the scenes by myself playing all the parts. And uh, yeah, I would drive around and listen to the soundtrack in the forest up by Mount Sai and sneak cigarettes and think I was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you were cool. <laughs> What's that? I said, I bet you were cool. I think you no. were. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Jill's always been cool. Yeah, Jill's always been cool. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit. I have, so one of the things I did in my book was I interviewed, the first part of my book is really about Twin Peaks and highlighting the women and um, and I highlight some of the celebrities. I talk about, I talked to Sabrina Sutherland and Jennifer Lynch and um, Cheryl Lee and Grace Zabriskie. And then I highlight um, 26 women from the community and kind of their backgrounds and how they came to Twin Peaks. And then part two is really about Laura Palmer. And we really dig into um, Laura Palmer. And I, I really want to have um, the Twin Peaks part where I introduce the women because I didn't want all to be Laura Palmer. I didn't want it all to be about trauma too, even though trauma does come up in part one in, in some instances. Um, but I really wanted to have, you know, you get to know the full person or as much of the person as you can in a book. Um, but there's, you know, part two is where uh, the women are really speaking about uh, Laura Palmer and Twin Peaks. And 
I want to highlight something. Let me see if I can find it. Um, Mary, I'm going to, Mary Hutter, I'm going to um, highlight something that you said because I thought, <laughs> okay, this is, there, this is the thing that really stood out to me. Um, I thought it was like a really important um, way of looking at the show and way of looking at Laura Palmer. So um, I'm going to read what Mary said, and then I, I want you all to, to kind of respond to, um, you know, what do you think of Shirley and what do you think of, of Laura Palmer and, and Jennifer Lynch and these women telling these stories? So this is Mary's voice um, or Mary's words. For a show that aired just a month before the Me Too movement broke big, these messages from two older white men feel dated and gross. What I've come to realize is Laura Palmer is iconic and magical because of David Lynch and Mark Frost. Laura Palmer is real and inspirational because of Jennifer Lynch and Cheryl Lee. Mark and David wrote Laura to be the virgin whore Mary icon of the late 20th century. She's the female figure who smiles down at us as the Madonna from her homecoming picture. She was brought to life for us as a living, breathing, confused, scared, strong, beautiful, real woman to look up to by the words of Jennifer Lynch and performance by Cheryl Lee, two women who do not get enough credit for the, the world and inspiration they helped to create. And I love that because that's kind of what I was trying to do with the book is, of course, David Lynch and Mark Frost created these characters and Harley Payton and other people contributed to, um, to, to the creation of Laura Palmer. Um, but it was Jennifer Lynch's writing that provided the backstory. And of course, Cheryl Lee, who was coming into it with her own backstory, but also breathing life into it. And so that's one, one of the things I wanted to highlight was, you know, these are women telling these stories too, even though, you know, we have the co-creators. Um, so, I mean, what, is, what does Laura Palmer mean to the three of you? And, and, uh, and you know, what, what does Cheryl Lee and Jennifer Lynch, how do, they, how do they fit into the, you know, influencing you or inspiring you? And I'll, I'll start with uh, Maya. I actually, I think I first read The Secret Diary in my senior year of high school. And I remember I had to beg my friend who said she had a copy to bring it in to let me read it. And I <laughs> photocopied the whole thing because it was out of print and I didn't have a copy. And I, at that time, I was trying to acquire the whole series and kind of get the whole picture. Um, and that book was so heavy, I thought, and kind of dark and really sad and really insightful, I think, to maybe like certain dark, heavy things that young girls think and go through sometimes. And I was really, really moved by that book. But all along, I was, I, I guess you could say, kind of haunted by Laura Palmer. And I always thought that Cheryl Lee, her particularly in Firewalk With Me, I know we've all said this many times and but it's the truth. Her performance in Firewalk With Me was very, very intense. And I think without that, you just wouldn't have felt that depth of Laura and that kind of stole the show. So I think I always wondered as I got older, like how hard that probably was for Cheryl Lee as a woman, you know, to be so heavily identified with that character who had this sort of darkness. But, um, and it was actually the poetry that she wrote in your book that I thought was really brilliant because it was, she sort of expressed that I thought without, you know, she did it in a creative way and I love that. So I don't, I can't say it enough. I just think Laura Palmer is just a, a very important voice, not only in Twin Peaks, but just for women in general. And Shirley is just a particular talent. It's very rare. She just brought it in a way that I don't know anyone else could. Yeah. 
Mary, no, I know I read your words, but, um, you know, I mean, I know Shirley and Laura Palmer mean a lot to you. So um, if you want to weigh in some more, feel free. Um, I, the secret diary of Laura Palmer got me through high school. I, Jennifer Lynch, I, it really struck me when she told that story about how she always wanted to find a diary. Like it started from that because that's what that book was for me. Like, that's what it was. It was a book that made me realize that the, like, maybe fucked up things I was thinking about as a 14, 15-year-old girl where I thought they're fucked up and maybe I was dirty and wrong. And, you know, because girls are giving so many confused messages in our society about who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be thinking and feeling. And I just felt like I must be the most perverted person on the face of this earth <laughs> at 15 and that book made me feel like I was fine and normal and I needed that I think I think it really changed my life yeah you know I, I love that what you said about that about you know stuff that you thought was gross or, or fucked up but was actually really um, normal and I, I think Jennifer Lynch did such a great job like you said of showing here's abuse and this is what abuse looks like and this is non-consensual and here's mm -hmm. a sexuality of a young girl and that's totally healthy and normal and all right and i think she did a good job of of showing both of those existing you know in the same woman the same mm -hmm. you know girl yeah definitely jill how about you oh man well i have to um just say ditto what both maya and mary have already said on so many levels um Back then, I didn't understand how small sometimes the voice of women can be. And I think that, um, like you said, the creators, the David and Mark, being men, they have so much more of a grasp than the general public, general and I'm not saying anything against men in general, but let's just go with uh, uh, the gross ones, the, the, the Trumps, the Pences, the, the <laughs> you know, they don't understand that women are humans too, fully fleshed out. And, um, you know, throughout the series of Twin Peaks, Laura's ghost did loom over the entire series <laughs> and um it was kind of her spirit that infused it um but we never got to see her except in a few flashbacks I, i'll never forget the feeling of watching firewalk with me for the first time and being very interested in the first part of the movie with Teresa banks and the investigation and all of that but i'll never forget the feeling of seeing laura palmer alive walking down the street for the first time hearing her voice, Donna. I mean, can you guys feel that? Like, do you remember? What it was that? intoxicating. <laughs> There's, I don't remember any movie, any film, or anything that's ever made me feel like that before or since. Mm -hmm. um, just to see her alive and then to see her struggles, um, which we had all read about in The Secret Diary. Um, the Secret Diary... Very much like Mary said, um, it got me a lot through high school and the feeling of 
not being alone. Um, I don't think the importance of that feeling can all, can be under it can be overstated. My dog. But I, the, the importance of just feeling that connection with other women, even fictional women, but women who, uh, like Jennifer Lynch, who wrote the book, just feeling the connection that somebody else was thinking these thoughts, somebody else was feeling these feelings. Um, I didn't go through abuse in the same way that, that Laura Palmer did. Um, but I think we all went through emotional traumas, like everybody does growing up. But hearing that voice from another woman and hearing that voice so strongly and so clearly, um, it, it's incomparable. Again, so the, the voice of Jennifer Lynch was a, a soothing, comforting voice throughout my teen years. And then, um, Courtney, your book, Laura's Ghost, reading the stories of these other women who, you know, uh, most of them around our age, um, who went through the same thing and who, who felt the same way and who felt the same kind of connection and solidarity through Laura Palmer and through Jen Lynch and through Cheryl Lee, through those, through those um, media, um, it, it, your book brought it home again. It made me feel that way again. So thank you for bringing the, those voices together. I don't, I don't want to discount Courtney's, um, yes. Courtney's efforts. <laughs> In all of this, I think that uh, you're up there now with those voices. Uh -huh. <laughs> so. I totally agree. I mean, thank you, but I, I don't. I don't think I'm up there with Jennifer Lynch and, and Cheryl Lee and some of the other people. But thank you. But well, that too was bad, but you are. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up, Buttercup. You're there. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, like that that was my intention. Was I was like I, I see a need for this. This is the book I want to read. You know, so I was, you know, they always say, write the book you would want to read. And so I was like, well, I'd want to read this. I guess I'm going to have to write it or interview all these people and include these voices. And, um, and it was just, it was, I, as I was, I mean, the, the, the book for me was a journey because I was, you know, not just writing it, but I was also interviewing all of these women and connect, you know, connecting with them on that level. And then hoping that that would translate in prints to the rest of you. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm really hoping it does. And, and, and thank you. Thank you all three for putting your voices in there. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you all is, is, uh, you know, season, th I did have season three in there because I grappled with season three and it was difficult um, for me to figure out what to do with Laura Palmer and Carrie Page in season three. And, um, and, and Mary's had some really great criticism about, her role in season three that I thought was, I think is really valuable. And I don't think she's alone in that too. Um, but, but I wanted to ask you all, I mean, what, what do you make of Laura Palmer in season three? Like wh how does she function? I know this is like a, a tough question. I'm still trying to iron out all the details, but um, you know, we had season one, season two, we had this incredible, of course the, the secret diary and we had this incredible film fire walk with me where we have Laura Palmer in the red room with an angel you know, um, standing, Cooper standing beside her and an angel, and she's finally happy. And for a lot of us, that's the end of Twin Peaks or the culmination. So, so what do we do with Laura Palmer in season three? If, if you all want to jump in. Um, well, I really hated it when I saw her body disappear off the beach. 
I can remember seeing that and thinking, oh my God, what, what the hell did they just do? But um, over time, I think I've appreciated it a little bit more and I've grown to accept it. And um, I think Mark Frost has said a few times that he went, he went into the writing process, you know, thinking about the passage of time. And so I guess things do change, uh, even if you don't like, like them or want them to. So I, I don't know that I loved Carrie Page or how certain things changed with Laura Palmer, but I accept it. Um, and maybe it is necessary because maybe in a way she got a chance to live again or live in a new way. I'm having a really hard time with it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, it's gotten a little bit better over the years and I'm, I'm hoping that it will get better. And I'm hoping that I'm going to get to the point where I can appreciate it. But um, I'm having a really hard time with season three. It's the message I received from it was that uh, nostalgia is bullshit and you can never go home again. And for some, and I realize this is a personal issue, like it totally has to do with me and everyone has their own things I get from Twin Peaks. I get that. I'm just saying from my own personal perspective, it's something that I have used to get through my life. I used it as a grieving tool, something that I used as like a thing I can go to, to be like, well, sorry, fuck you. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with it. And mostly with like Laura, who was just an inspiration for me because of what a strong woman she was and everything that she did like she allowed herself to be killed so that she couldn't be possessed by this evil and to have I just feel like season three took that away from her it took away her agency it took away um just ever all everything that was Laura it was sort of just taken away and it just became this other thing and I'm hoping I can get to the point where I can see the good in it. Maybe as I get older, I'll be more like, yeah, fuck you, nostalgia. Um, but yeah, I'm having a hard time. I think it's hard for a lot of us who grew up with the voice of Laura Palmer being such a strong influence on our lives to accept that she was just a part of somebody else's story. Um, I have trouble with that also that um, you know, she is a part of Cooper's redemption or his efforts of evolving into a better human. Um, I never thought it was about Cooper. And um, as much as I love that character, I do love, I love agent Cooper. Um, but yeah, seeing her body disappear from the beach was a slap in the face. It really was. <laughs> um, so I've kind of created these narratives in my mind about it being a different timeline and how the ending of Firewalk with me with her laughing with her, that's, that's the real ending. And I think to me, that's always going to be the real ending. Um, and that, yeah, um, I think that, that all of the, the Carrie Page timeline is just showing that time isn't linear and um, everybody goes through this journey to learn their lessons, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, like Mary said, it, it took away a lot of Laura's agency. It took away her, um, it took away her life force, really. 
showing her being this kind of shell of a person of Carrie Page, if that was her, which I think it probably was. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough tough pill to swallow, tough pill to swallow. Um, but that said, I really enjoyed season three on its own as its own thing, not as a part of the story that I love, not as a part of the um, narrative that that has gotten me through so much and, and so many other people, like in your book, Courtney. <laughs> it's just, it's been such a force of nature, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I really struggled with season three too, especially, I know we did a podcast on the Red Room podcast the day after um, the, the final episode of season three and, and watching it with my friends, everyone was kind of stunned for a while, you know, after, after we watched the ending. And, uh, and I was like, what about her agency? You know, what, what all these things? And I, I've really come to, to love season three. Um, and I don't know if that'll happen for, for you, Mary or, or other people, but um, I've come to appreciate it. And, uh, and one of the things that helped me um, you know, we always bring our own stuff to the stories that we see. And so I was trying to figure out, well, how, what role does trauma play in here in Laura Palmer? And so I came up with this idea of a fairy tale. I wrote an academic article about it. And I mentioned the book toward in the conclusion too, about how it functions as a, a fairy tale where, you know, Laura Palmer is brought back to the site of where she was, you know, abused and had to confront that. And it's, it's a way for the audience to remember that too. Like Lynch and Frost are bringing the audience back there too and saying, Hey, remember what the story is about? That's what it was for me, and it helped me kind of navigate how Laura Palmer fit, fit in and Carrie Page fit in. Um, but it's something I continue to grapple with, and I, I that was one of my favorite parts of the book is hearing all these women have really different takes on season three. Just as if you talk to anybody in the Twin Peaks community, they're going to have that's probably one of the most controversial things you can talk about is is season three and you know what people think of it and if they love it or not. And uh, and um, so I really enjoyed that part about the what the women were saying about. Carrie Page and Laura Palmer in season three. So what about as, um, you know, you all, you all three are members of the Twin Peaks fan community and you have been for a long time. I know Mary has been for, for quite, quite some time. Um, so, and you've gone to events and festivals and you've created art and written, you know, um, uh, you know, Maya's cre created her, her blog, um, Twin Peaks Fanatic and um, Jill, your, your art and you, you know, you host people on hikes to the bottom of the falls and, uh, Mary, you've, you know, done short, a short film about, um, several short films about um, Twin Peaks inspired. And, uh, and of course, we're a part of davidlynch.com and attendee of the festival for many years. Um, what's your favorite memory as a fan? Looking back, it can be an event that you went to or a moment, you know, um, that you experienced. What's your, what's your favorite, favorite memory as a fan? And I'll throw out to any, any one of you can jump in. Um, I wasn't a part of the fan community for a very long time, which is so bizarre to me now because now it's such an integral part of my life um, and all the friends that I've made and the, the art that I experience and just the, the amazing discussions that I've had and, and just the amazing people I've met. Um, but I didn't know there was a festival for most of my life until 2017. And um, I didn't know about all these fan events and I didn't think to seek out other Twin Peaks fans because I didn't want anybody to kind of ruin how I felt about it. I didn't want, <laughs> I thought that the community would be full of um, film snobs, which, you know, there are, but none of them have, have ruined 
anything for me. It's, it's only been positive for the most part. There have been a couple of, of interesting experiences, learning experiences. Um, but I would say the most thrilling thing for me as a fan, the most thrilling event was actually one that Mary Hutter was instrumental in organizing. And that was the, the Snoqualmie Valley, um, uh, what was it called, Mary? The scavenger hunt? Yeah, yeah, the scavenger hunt. And um, they, uh, she, Mary and Amber, it was, it was you and Amber, right, who built mm-hmm. the Red Men? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Amber Seavers. Um, meeting fans there, seeing people in costume, it was such a trip for me to see these people, these other people embracing this thing that I loved too. And to know that there were people out there who knew it like from their, their heart and soul um, more than I did even um, and loved it with such a, such a passion. But she created this, this scavenger hunt throughout the Snoqualmie Valley with trivia questions and um, you had to find the filming locations and you would get geotagged and it was just, it was phenomenal. So thank you for that, Mary. Thank you. It was uh, Snoqualmie's uh, uh, premiere party for season three, and it was the weekend before the show premiered. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And we got to watch <laughs> and we got to watch Fire Walk with me in one of the old mill buildings at um, Dirtfish. They opened up this... Um, like the drying shed. The drying the- shed... Huge, huge building and they had food trucks and um it was just it, it was phenomenal it was phenomenal and there were people all over the valley in costume doing little dances because that was part of the the scavenger hunt you had to videotape yourself dancing like the little man from another place and um doing the worm like jerry and i mean it was just it, it i've never been to an event like that it was so much fun it was so much fun so thank you for that, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine would be the first Twin Peaks Festival that I went to, which was the first time that I actually made it to Snoqualmie, North Bend. And I, one night, well, the whole weekend was amazing. Um, and that, but one in particular, one night with a bunch of new people that I met, because I went by myself, I didn't know anyone, and I just made instant friends with people who then are now like family. Uh, We took a walk into the woods, and then in the middle of the night, and then we also hiked down to the bottom of the falls on the old trail before they redid it about eight years ago. And in the middle of the night, we kind of had uh, music playing. We had the Twin Peaks soundtrack playing in like someone's pocket as we were walking down. And we were talking about just Twin Peaks and our feelings on it. And it was the first time I ever really like had those conversations with other people. And I'm in Twin Peaks and it felt most, I don't know if it's it's nighttime and the moon was huge and by the water. It just, I felt like I was in Twin Peaks for the first time. And I feel like, you know, I've been chasing that high ever since. (laughs) Um, I, I think, I mean, I loved going out to Snoqualmie and seeing all of that. That was amazing to see that for the first time. But when I think about my favorite fan event, 
I think it was in New York City when Mark Frost did a reading um, of his first book. Uh, that was, I think, one of the first events I ever went to, and that was when I first met Ben and Brian. Um, and I, it was very intimate, and that, that I thought was really special because it was just a small group and you got to hear him talk, and that was, I think, one of my favorites. And then when I met Kyle McLaughlin, that was a great moment, too, because he was at a liquor store in Jersey City. <laughs> um, but who, who think you'd see him there, but it was great. Um, and he was so friendly and it was just a fun time with just all the fans we were all, and he was so gracious to everyone and took the time. We all waited in line forever, but he took the time to take pictures and speak personally with every single person that came there that night. And I thought that really had a lot of class. So I think that was one of my favorite moments. What about you, Courtney? Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that. I have, I have so many, but I think, um, I think mine was the year 2013, if, if that whole year counts. Um, Cause that's when I started really getting into the Twin Peaks community in a bigger way. I am, um, you know, University of Southern California had a retrospective of Twin Peaks and over the period of five or six months and, uh, and they, every, every few weeks or twice a month, and they would bring in cast, crew, writers, and I went to the first one it had, it was hardly, it was for film students at USC, but eventually fans started coming. And the first one had, you know, Mark Frost and Grace Zabriskie and Dwayne Dunham. And I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. And so I decided that after that first one, I was going to go to all of them. Cause I just, I thought, I thought this show's never coming back. I'm never going to see these people again. <laughs> I had no idea. And, uh, and so that's when I started tapping into, cause you know, waiting in line to get into this theater, I started talking to people in line and that's, I started making friends that way. And I had never been to the U S fest or the UK fest or, you know, any of the fest. And, um, and so someone said, yeah, you should go to the, the festival. And so I said, okay. And I, I kind of felt like Jill um, did. I, I was like, I, I'm going to walk into this festival and they all know each other. And I, I'm an introvert and I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable in this situation. And and I, I absolutely was comfortable. I mean, because the Twin Peaks community, for the most part, are great people and they're super welcoming. And it was, I wasn't the only one who was going for my first time. Um, so just, just being in Snoqualmie and the real Twin Peaks was incredible, but also sharing it with other fans um, who I thought I was nerdy about Twin Peaks. And no, no, no. I mean, there, you know, I, there's people who far surpassed me. And that was so exciting because I was like, I was learning from them too. You know, I was... Um, learning from other people about the show, and uh, and so just that that year of, of going to the retrospective, and 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 really it was about the community too, and then the festival, and um, you know the festival is great, you know, because you get to meet some of the celebrities, but really it's about the other fans. Um, it was just it was just that sense of community. I felt like I felt like I was home for the first time. Yeah, come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You don't need a festival. You just come back and see us. That's true. Yes. yes, true. So Ben, Brian, I, I think you might have um, some questions or want to want to weigh in. So feel free. Oh, I have I have one question. I have one, I have a lot of thoughts, but I have one question. Um, your interview with uh, with Grace. I'm gonna, I, I earmarked it over here. Uh, Zabriskie, uh, when you guys get into season three, obviously people gotta read this. I don't wanna give it away. But you talked about that pivotal moment um, 
of her character, you know, going through this dark, this darkness of um, uh, what, you know, did she know about her husband doing this to her own daughter? How come she didn't stop it? All, all that emotion. And you guys have um, an interesting back and forth um, that is a little contentious, it seems. Uh, but part of me was like, I don't know if I'm projecting, but as I'm reading this, and I'm like, I almost feel you, you were talking to uh, Sarah Palmer there. Like, like she was pushing back a little bit about it. And I almost felt like you weren't talking to Grace anymore. I don't know. I don't, how, how was, you know, can you give us any uh, more in depth into that conversation with her? Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I interviewed Grace Zabriskie, she, she was incredible. She actually invited me into her home, which I was really surprised because she, she doesn't know me, but um, I guess Cheryl vouched for me and said I wasn't going to be a psycho in her house. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, Grace Zabriskie is so intimidating that, um, yeah. that, uh, you know, I, I think, I think she's the one we all have to worry about. Not, not a, you know, she's a tiny woman, but she's, so, she's so such a force. Um, so I spent a long time interviewing her and then chatting with her for, for a while. And then I left and she called me and said, Hey, w- would you mind if I wrote like a little essay as Sarah Palmer? And I was like, I mean, <laughs> no, I don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. And so she, she wrote something and she said, I, I want to call you and I want to, um, I want to basically, if you could transcribe it. Cause she's, she's a very like, um, she likes to read things al- as a poet and as a performer, she likes to read things aloud. So she read her piece aloud and then I ended up transcribing it from the, from recording it. And then we had this, after she had read it aloud, we had this conversation that was not supposed to be part of the book. She was going to write an essay and I was going to put the essay in there. Um, but we were talking about it afterwards and we said, this conversation is actually part of the story because she and I were both having sort of a debate about the complicity of Sarah Palmer, something I continue to grapple with too. Mm-hmm. Um, about how complicit, how guilty is she, how much did she know? You know, she was being drugged, but like she had to know something was going on in her home, you know? Um, And so to me, this was an important conversation because, you know, we had talked a lot about Laura Palmer and the abuse that she endured and other, other women in my book had also talked about abuse that they had endured. So, um, you know, a lot of times when you're abused, there's a bystander. It might be a family member. It might be somebody who has some inkling or knows something, but doesn't dig deeper or may know, you know, outright and doesn't do anything. And so we had this conversation, we both decided, let's put this in there because, you know, we're arguing about it. But I think this is something that people really wrestle with too, in their own experiences is like, especially if you're, you're, your family, you know, is, is um, how guilt, how much does your family know? How guilty are they? And so, you know, she was channeling Sarah Palmer in a lot of ways and writing that essay and then the conversation that we were having too. Um, so it felt like I was talking to, I mean, I was talking to Grace, but she's also channeling that character, trying to get into the mindset of that character again. Um, so I think that, you know, she was pushing back on me because I, I Mm. saw, I saw Sarah Palmer as complicit, but I also saw her as a victim too. You know, I think you can be both. Sometimes it's complicates things, but I think you can be both. And she really pushed back on me and, and, uh, and saying, you know, how, how much guilt that, that Sarah actually did, did have in this, this situation in the home. Um, and I thought that was an important conversation to have, you know, is, is, is she as Sarah Palmer is recognizing her own guilt. And I think that's important for other women who've been abused to hear too, is 
they may not get an I'm sorry or I was guilty from someone that they know, but they're going to get it from this character. And, and that's a very, I mean, it, it may not, it may not sound real to a lot of people, but that's a, that's a very real thing. I mean, several of you talked about how Twin Peaks has been healing and it's been important in dealing with your own trauma, you know, whatever it is. And so um, I think that was, that was an important conversation to include. And we, we both kind of decided let's include this conversation too. It's kind of odd to include it, um, but it made sense. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I, it, it's heavy and it's emotional. Um, but I absolutely, I, I, yeah, it was great. I'm glad you guys did. Um, and how did you go about getting Grace? I mean, like, did you know right from the beginning, wouldn't it be great to have her voice in this book? Or was it like an evolution where you get Cheryl Lee and then like, it seems like the next step would be to go out and have a talk with Grace? Yeah, this is actually a really good question because when I first came up with the idea, I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know I was going to have Cheryl Lee in there. Um, and then when, when I met Cheryl Lee and I asked her if she would be a part of it and she was all in, she was really supportive of it. Um, I didn't, I, at first I was like, oh, let me get people from, you know, the show. And then I was like, well, that's going to be really hard because like, who do I get and how, where do I stop? And, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll get people behind women behind the scenes. Um, uh, but then I was like, this book is going to be huge, you know, <laughs> a thousand pages. Mm -hmm. So as I was kind of narrowing it down, I was like, well, this book is about Laura Palmer. You know, a big chunk of it is about Laura Palmer. So let's get the people around, you know, who created Laura Palmer and uh, around Laura Palmer. And so Cheryl Lee, of course, made sense. And Jennifer Lynch made sense. And then Grace Zabriskie as her mother made sense to me, too. Um, and then I, I brought in Sabrina Sutherland because she's sort of the business side, the producer of the business side of it. And, uh, and she's sort of the, the voice of Lynch too. And I think she kind of is an interesting person because we don't always have a lot of women in high places, you know, who are, mm. um, you know, producing a show or shows like this. And she'd been there since the original series too. Um, but, I, but I got Grace through Cheryl um, because they, they're still really close. I think Jennifer Lynch actually knows Grace too. And they, they hang out quite a bit, but I got her through Cheryl. Um, but it just made sense to have, okay, Cheryl Lee and her mom, you know, uh, mm. and let's, let's see what, and I, I, to be honest, I've always wanted to interview Grace Zabriskie. Um, I remember I was in, in a Snoqualmie a few years ago and uh, Mary, I think it was Mary, you and Amber were there and Carl were there and we were, we were all like drinking a beer and, um, and someone said, who would you like to, to interview or who's the number one person you would like to interview? I think Scott Ryan was there too. And, and so we were all saying our people. And I, I said, you know, I think Grace Zabriskie, if I could interview, besides Cheryl Lee, if I could interview anyone, it would be Grace Zabriskie. I think she is an incredible artist and, and she doesn't get the acclaim that she really deserves in her performances. I mean, I think she is, she's just an artist in every sense of the word. She does woodworking, she does poetry, she, um, she can act. I mean, she is an incredible performer and, and I wish, I wish the world would like take note of that. You know, sometimes we lift certain people up and then other people kind of get forgotten because they do a lot of, you know, minor characters or quirky characters, but, but she's incredible. And I would say, um, you got Jennifer Lynch to talk about the diary, which is something bad in myself. We had her on to talk, talking about boxing Helena and we're like, we love to have you come back, talk about the diary, and it never happened. But now, I don't think we ever need to, because honestly, it, it, it's like perfect in this book. Um, it, it, it's so awesome to uh, hear her talk about that diary. Did you learn anything new uh, talking to her about the diary? I mean, 
she had so much to say. I feel like half of it's not even in the book, what she said. Like, she just talks. She's a good talker. Yeah, yeah. She, I actually had to um, edit a lot out of the, the interview because she, I mean, she gave me so much. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why it was easier to interview her now was she was my last interview and it was at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and she's been incredibly busy. You know, she's, she is directing so many like hot TV shows right now and mm -hmm. has been for years, like the walking dead and Quantico. And, um, I think she, she just did ratchet too. And, and she's, you know, she's doing a lot of, she's been busy. Um, and so she had time cause the pandemic. Um, so no one was shooting anything at that point. And, um, and so she had some time. And so we talked a long time about the pandemic. I had to edit that out because we both had big feelings, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of it about being stuck at home and what all that meant. And, and uh, so it was kind of fun to talk to her about that. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I told her, I said, I know you've talked about the secret diary so many times. So, you know, I, I thank you for talking about it again. And she said, she said, no, it's, it's a really potent force, you know, and something she did a lot. She was very young when she did it and she's done a lot since then. Um, but she, she, you know, she said, the thing that was really interesting to me was she, when she was talking about over all the years, she's been to a lot of um, festivals and fan events and, and she says, people come up to me over and over again and tell me their stories. And it means so much. It means so much that something I wrote so long ago is, is still having an effect. And, you know, and, and I think she's like Cheryl in that too, where she has to um, willingly and graciously takes on that burden of, of meeting strangers who pour their hearts out to her. And I think that would be a really tough thing to do and to be. Um, she does it graciously and she's really grateful that, you know, her work meant so much, you know, when she meets these fans. Any other questions? Anybody, any questions from anybody else? Is that, is that the show? I mean, it was pretty good. <laughs> we did a pretty good job, right? Um, yeah. Can I Brian a, a question? Um, either one of you, I would love to know, um, because of the nature of the book, we're hearing all of these uh, women's opinion, which I think is really important. It's, it's beyond important because so often women get kind of sidelined in, in the discussion of Twin Peaks. Um, I'm just curious, what kind of, um, did you learn anything about the female perspective, uh, reading Laura's ghost. Yes. And if so yeah. what, what were the what were the the takeaways for you guys? I, uh, for me, uh, there's two stories in particular that, like, literally, like, uh, you know, I, I felt the tears coming on. I and I I haven't read a, twi a Twin Peaks related book for that to happen, and I I was moved. I mean, it, it brought back things uh of things like that you know i grew up with my mom and my grandma so i respected women because they were the they, they were the household that was my household you know my grandma and my mom till i was five years old so um i grew up that way anyway but like in high school you know uh i, I had a girlfriend and her and her uh parents it was a different kind of household than my household and drinking and all that kind of stuff and it's weird as a teenager I was where I was on the phone and her dad is drunk or whatever and starts hitting on her like saying creepy things to her 
needless to say, she, I was on the phone the whole time. I heard these things. She pushed them out. They uh, think they got divorced, all that stuff. It wasn't good. Uh, nothing more than that happened, thank God. But as a teenager, I thought, well, that's an isolated incident, right? That, I don't hear about that from anyone else. I, wit- I witnessed it over the phone. Um, and reading this book brought back that memory like, like, a, like a waterfall, just poured right out. I'm like, holy shit, I'm thinking about this again. And it's just like, wow, as a teenager, you don't think about these things. You get older, you get wiser, and you're like, holy crap. Well, things like that happen a lot worse into more people. Um, and it's, it's like eye-opening. Um, but I think this book is very powerful. Like, it really... Um, I don't know, brought emotion out on me, uh, big time. And, um, just reading these stories, I think are very important. I, I'm glad Courtney, you did this book. I, I think it's very important for men and women to read and to, uh, get the other side. And yeah, it's the Me Too movement happened for a reason. And I think the Me Too movement should have happened years ago. And, um, you know, when, when it happened, I remember talking to my wife and my wife telling me she was a teenager and older men would say and do creepy things to her when she worked in retail. And then I thought about, I was a waiter and the female, we had younger hostess and they would be hit on by grown men in the bar. And my manager used to stand out there because it was, it, it was crazy. They wouldn't stop, you know? Um, and you can't just ignore these things. The levy will break eventually, and, you know, and it did, and for, for a good reason. And um, I, I think the stories need to be told, you know. So I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's all. everything I felt, you know, reading this book. No, it does. It does. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to say a lot of the same things as Brian, but you know, I grew up with, in a divorced family and I lived with my mom and my sister. And so I feel like I was open-minded, but I feel like I'm constantly, I need books like this. I need things like this to kind of wake me up and see the world a little bit better. And I don't know, it's heavy. It's, it's tough. I mean, Cheryl Lee did a uh, fire walk with me event where she's saying, you know, I, I, she was basically 30 years later, you know, from Twin Peaks, and we're still not really talking about abuse enough. We're not really talking about the, the issues and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm thankful that we have these books and these kind of conversations that we can have and, and open it up more. Great. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the things I wanted to do with this book, because you know, it's not all about trauma. There's definitely some, I mean, one of my favorite stories is um, when Anita Wren meets Julie Cruz and they, they just go wild for each other. I, I love that story. Um, it's, I mean, they're just both great personalities and full of joy. And so their, their meeting is like one of my favorite stories in there. Um, but there, but there is a lot of trauma too. It is, it's, it's Laura Palmer's story. So there is that. And, and so, and women have shared some really powerful um, things with me. And so that's why I wanted, um, so 10% of the proceeds I get are going to go to rain.org, which is the rape abuse incest national network. And that's, they're a really in, incredibly important organization and they are doing really good stuff to support survivors of sexual assault and sexual abuse. 
And, uh, and so that's, I, that was really important to me to say, okay, I want to, I want this book to do something, you know, obviously it's doing something for people and reading it, but I wanted to do something beyond that too, um, beyond the Twin Peaks community or people who might read this book. So, um, so yeah, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, one of the great responses I've had are from men. And I was kind of surprised that so many, so many men would have, you know, um, such a powerful and positive response to it. So um, it, it means a lot that you, you all are looking at your own lives and looking at, you know, the women around you and, and realizing these are not isolated incidents, unfortunately, and we need to do more um, to protect, to protect women and protect everybody who's vulnerable. Totally. Oh, well, that, uh, it's been an awesome show. Uh, thank you ladies for being on it. And I guess we'll go around. Uh, if you guys want to promote uh, what you're doing, uh, where people can follow you on social media, all that wonderful stuff. Uh, we'll start with you, Courtney, and we'll go around. Sure. So buy my book, Laura's Ghost, Women Speak About Twin Peaks. Uh, it is available already on FayettevilleMafiaPress.com. Uh, it will also be available in major bookstores and retail outlets October 20th. That's the official release date. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Courtney Cow. And uh, one, one final thing I want to say before we give it to the other women is, you know, Ben and Brian, thank you so much for, for hosting us and um, for letting me talk about the book and for these women to share their stories too about themselves and what they do. And, uh, and you all have done a really good job of bringing the Twin Peaks community together for a long time, but especially this year when we're in a pandemic with your cast viewing parties and, and your own book that came out earlier this year. Uh, so so thanks, for, thanks for bringing everybody together in this way. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Maya. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you can follow me at Twin Peaks blog on Twitter. I'm probably the most active on there. Uh, I probably will be writing something for Blue Rose and 25 years later again, and occasionally I tinker on my blog, and who knows <laughs> what I'll find myself doing. Uh, Mary? Um, I guess you could follow me on Instagram. I'm Girl Scout with two R's and a K instead of a C. Um, and uh, if you're at all interested in the TV show Dallas, which you're probably not, but I am, I have a podcast where we uh, drink a beer and sometimes bourbon and talk about <laughs> the TV show Dallas episode by episode by episode. And that is called the Ewing Barbecue which you can find us. We're on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and all the things. And we have a Facebook group and uh, an Instagram. It's uh, Ewing BBQ. Nice. Thank you. And Jill. Um, I'm not doing a whole lot online these days. You could follow me at Pi4, the number four, Jill, at, or wherever on Instagram. Um, Twitter. I also started an Etsy shop just to help with the bills. Um, that's blisteringheadache.com, one word. Um, other than that, um, I'll, I'll seed and, and promote Courtney's book, Lore's Ghost, BillMafiaPress.com. <laughs> that, oh. I actually have an Etsy shop too, and I forgot to promote that, and it's Twin Peaks related. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have an Etsy shop. It's called Sparkwood in 21, and I actually sell a bunch of Twin Peaks uh, nerdy merch that I make. So, um, yeah, that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, it's been a great show. Thank you so much for everybody for being on today. 
And if you want to send us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, a five-star review would be fantastic, or on Google Play, all your favorite podcast places, and we'll see you in a few weeks. Are you out there To take away my fear I haven't lost my hope Even though I am so far from my